0: Amen. Good morning and welcome. My name is Brian. It's great to have you guys here today. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's 52 degrees in here, but I want to point out that's like 70 degrees warmer than it is outside. So like our, our furnace is doing pretty good pretty good today. So we are starting a new sermon series, so this is a great day for you to be here, a great day to kind of plug in at the beginning of a series. The series is called True Love, and I want to point out that we serve the God of the Bible, of whom the Bible says God is love. So in order for us to discover who he is, we're going to discover love in the process. In order for us to know who he is, right, the God who loves us and wants to, to spend an eternity with us, we're, we're going to need to know what does he mean by love, right? What does that even mean? What does... What does he intend to communicate with that word? Because we have all sorts of perceptions and misconceptions about that word, right? Society has portrayed it in some way. Movies has, have, have displayed it in certain ways, right? Disney has, has presented it to us growing up, right, in, in different ways. But, but what does God mean when the Bible says that God is, is love? So, so during this series, right, I, I just want to invite you that if the Bible, right? If a Bible verse, if something spurs on a question inside of you, if you're kind of wrestling through something, if you're trying to correlate what does this mean or how does this relate to my life, if you have those sorts of questions... We are a, a, a people who love to answer those questions. There's no question you can ask that's so blasphemous that we would be offended that, that you asked it, right? I, w- I would rather you ask a blasphemous question than go out living a blasphemous life because you have a misunderstanding of who God is, right? So if you have questions at any point, we welcome you here. We are glad that you're here, right? And, and you can talk to me at the end. You can email me your questions, the phone number's on the website. You can call me, right? That we... We want to give you the answers, right? We want to point to you, right, uh, who God is so that He can know you, you can know Him the way He intends, right? So so feel free to email me or call me or talk to me at the end. Also, a great way to connect and have those conversations and discussions is to go to a missional community. Like we said, that's uh, Tuesday here in Wilmington and Wednesday in Whitingham. So that's a place where you can kind of just gather with a subset or a different group altogether of of followers of Jesus, people who don't even know who Jesus is yet, and you can kind of walk through, hash out some of those questions that you might have. That's a place where those conversations are welcome. So, uh, happy, happy Valentine's Day to you all. Obviously, today's a day that brings a variety of emotions, right, Uh, for single people. Maybe you're one that is longing for love. Maybe if uh, you're in between relationships, you're heartbroken over love, maybe you're grieving a lost love, right? Depending on where you are, you can have a variety of emotions. Maybe you're just anxious because you just realized it's Valentine's Day and you didn't get a gift for your significant other yet. So you're going to go like hit Rite Aid right after this. I think they've, they've got that aisle right there. You can, they were selling Halloween candy just a few months ago in that same aisle. And and, and, and we as a people, right, we have all these different feelings regarding love. Our society, right, has invested fully in this idea of love. And, and even if you think that, right, your relationship is going well right now as far as romantic interest, right, maybe you're almost terrified, like, because you don't know why it's working. And, like, that's a scary place to be, like, if I change anything, what if I break it? Like, this is this is horrifying to me, right? I don't know if any guys have ever felt that way, right? But, but or maybe, maybe you're in a place where you are somewhat self-deluded and convinced, like, no, 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 my romantic love, this is going to be the thing that satisfies my life, upon which I build my purpose, right? That everything I've got is going to be invested in this, this is it, this is the thing that I'm going to pursue with all of my energy, right, and, and maybe we're convinced that that going to be the thing that satisfies us, that brings us joy. But right, wherever we are, usually we're interested in, right, is this going to last? Is this going to be the thing that keeps me happy? Right? And and the Bible has all sorts of wisdom regarding this. Proverbs is is an awesome book of the Bible that's full of like fortune cookie-sized tidbit, like Twitterable length, pieces of wisdom that's just like super digestible like chicken nugget of like goodness that you can just not that chicken nuggets are healthy but but these are just like delightful just delicious little tidbits of truth that you can kind of devour and 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 proverbs has some advice in case you're pursuing love in case like you're like just excited you just really only came to to get the snacks at the end and maybe to try to meet some single folks here maybe that's what you're planning but here's some advice that proverbs gives to us in proverbs 31 it's it's a chapter that's kind of describing what this ideal woman is uh, and you, it might be different than you'd perceive but this is what it says Here's some wisdom for us proverbs thirty-one thirty. Uh, also yeah, if you want a blue bible james can get you one new living translation I've got the page number up there so you can follow along make it look like you know what you're doing Right. This is going to be good. So you can kind of take notes as you will But it says this charm is deceptive Charm is deceptive. Beauty does not last. Other translations say beauty is in vain. It's passing. It's fleeting. It will not last forever. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. So it's kind of given us some like priorities in our pursuit that when you're looking for your significant other, don't uh, invest everything on kind of those, those first two Points. Don't make the basis of your relationship be those things or if you're focused on being the right person for someone else Right or or further becoming that for the person you're with Don't focus on those first two points. Those things will not last. They will not satisfy. They will disappoint you. So it says, right, charm is deceptive. So you might think, ladies, that you want a prince charming, but that might not be what you're interested in because charm is often a tool to sell you something. Charm is a means to lure you into, it's a bait on the trap. It's trying to get you to, to buy into what they've got Charm is deceptive charm is kind of like uh, flattery which in jude chapter 1 verse 6 uh, You don't have that up there. Don't worry You don't have to find it jude 1 6 in describing a certain group of people. It says that they flatter others to get what they want There there might be people who will tell you what you want to hear Right that they'll do things to right try, try to make you feel good feel right but they're not doing it because they necessarily genuinely care about you. They're, they're trying to get what they want out of it. Or it says in Proverbs 29, it says, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. We don't need Admiral Akbar to tell us it's a trap. It's a trap, right? They're trying to bait you, they're trying to catch you right? Flattery, charm, it's, it's, it's a trap. That's right. The whole idea of dating, they're, they're trying to just show you their good side. They don't want you to know their flaws, their shame, right? They're trying to sell you something, right? So you don't want to invest completely on kind of those first impressions because they will not be consistent, right? It's not going to be that way all the time. I mean, when, the first time I had a, I guess it was like a non-date, like Katie didn't even commit at that point when I first met my wife and I, I convinced her to go kayaking with me. I just like laid it all out. I was just like, hey, I don't want to waste your time, right? I've been married before. I've gone through separation and divorce. This is what my sin issues are. So I don't want to waste your time. Just here it all is so you can make up your mind and we don't waste each other's time. But if you're interested in sticking around, this is who I am, right? I, that's that's kind of how I handled it, because I was just like, hey, like, she's, she's hanging out with me right now. I, this is maybe my only shot. And, uh, and yet yeah, it, it worked, by the way. Sometimes, <laughs> right, honesty pays off, so it's good, right? But, but the idea is that flattery or charm are not what love is about. Right? If, if flattery is the means by which we're trying to get something out of someone or a relationship out of somebody or something right, that we want, that's not what love is. The Bible says that love does not seek its own. It's not pursuing its own benefit. That love, as we go through this series, we're going to see is, is self-sacrificial. That love is surrendering our wants and needs for the sake of someone else. But right, charm is not love. And similarly, beauty, right? Beauty is something that our culture is completely invested in. It's the commodity that sells things, right? It's the thing to which everyone is is desiring to cling on to with all their might. But this verse is as true today as the day it was written that beauty does not last, Right. I mean, maybe you can try it like your best to, to like hold on a little bit longer, but it is not going to last. So you don't want to base your relationship on something that is is fleeting, that is passing. All right. Something that is not going to endure. That if, if, if your idea of love is something that happens at first sight, that's not going to be a long term plan. That investment is not going to pay off in the end. That beauty does not last. And and the Apostle Peter, when writing a letter to a church and he was addressing the ladies, this is what he said in 1 Peter 3, verses 3 to 4. Here's some advice. Right, and us guys, we can just kind of you know apply it to us as as it makes sense. It says, Don't be concerned about the outward beauty, right, Of, of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry right, Or beautiful clothes. you should clothe yourselves instead instead with the beauty that comes from within. Right Peter's telling the ladies, he says, "Listen, you don't want to spend all of your time in front of the mirror trying to make the outside look good when the, out, the, the inside is corroding, when the inside is disgusting, right? When you're, your character, you've got all sorts of flaws, right? right? He says, "You need to focus." On the on the beauty that comes from within and check out what he claims about that beauty He says that it's it's unfading The unfading beauty How does that compare to what proverbs 31 was just telling us right beauty does not last beauty is fleeting It's passing away, but but this inward beauty is an unfading beauty That's something that you can build a relationship on that's something that's going to be the same when they're 18 as when they're 81, right? That's, that's something that you can rely on. And, and Peter's suggesting to the woman of the church, he says, listen, that's what you need to focus on, right? Don't spend all your time in front of the mirror. He says, spend some time building your character, right? Immerse yourself in God's word. Spend time in prayer. Pursue God and that he'll develop something in you that is, is beautiful, Right? Something that is appreciated by those around you Something that gives glory to God That, that it actually says this right? That, right? The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit Which is so precious to God right? So that's something that God will enjoy And the people around you will enjoy consistently And it's the same thing for us guys right? What matters is integrity What matters is character and honesty right? It doesn't matter how good you're looking right, how many candles you light tonight, but if you've been lying to your girlfriend, that's not going to change the mood that much, right? If they know that there's this distrust, if there's this rift between you, it doesn't matter how many candles you light, it doesn't matter how good you look or what cologne you spray on, right, the axe effect is not going to help you deal with character defects, right? That's not going to sell them on you. Once they've discovered that, right, there's, there's a deeper issue that needs to be resolved, Right, so, so guys, we need to work on integrity. We need to do the right thing when maybe only God's the one that, that tells us to do that thing. Maybe the, the rest of culture or society or our friends might be in disagreement, but we're going to do the right thing even when no one else knows about it or when everyone else disagrees with it. That's going to be the thing that is valuable and lasts. Right? That's something that you can build a relationship on. And that's what it said in Proverbs 31, if we can go back to that first verse, right? It says, a woman who fears the Lord will be praised, right? That that's the sort of person you want, right? Now, you might be like, I don't know what that means to fear the Lord. It just means to honor God, to respect him, to place him in, in first priority, right? That our lives in, in, are in incorrect order, right? That, that we're, we're living for his glory, right? That we're, we're doing the right thing. Right, that our lives are giving honor to God. That it's not just the things that we say, but the way that we live. That, that for us guys, right, that we're honoring God in our integrity and in our lives. Right, that we fear God rather than fear man, what they might say, right, what, what peer pressure might suggest. We, we would rather do what God says and disgrace all else. Right, And so our culture, when it comes to love, Has created this ideal of love. Our culture for generations has has done this, right? I mean, love is is this thing that sells, right? I mean, go back as far as Shakespeare. You've got screenplays about love, right? You've got movies about love. You've got books about love. You've got all sorts of things about love, and our culture is infatuated with this idea. Right? That's what we are attracted to this idea. We want this fulfillment in love. We, we perceive love as this thing that, that happily ever after does not happen until I achieve this love, right? That's what we think, right? That's what we think. And, and there's been different ideas about love throughout culture. I mean, back in the 60s, it was free love, which would suggest to define love as being this biological interaction with someone, right? That love is merely this This act, it's just simply sex, right? That that's what love is, but that is not what love is, right? Or even more recently in this past year, right, the the idea of, of love wins, that one would equate love to merely being what our desires are, what our attractions are. Right, Just whatever sort of chemical responses my brain is giving me when I see someone, when I'm right, attracted to someone, that, that that's what love must be. It's just my feelings, what my tendencies are, what my orientation may be. But love is more than attraction. right? That is not what love is. So our, our society, we've, when I use the word love, that's what's dangerous, is we might all have a different idea of what it means. Right? We might all have different assumptions as to what that means, right? but the world is trying to sell us this idea of love, and I'm telling you, don't buy it. Don't buy it. They, they, they epitomize this idea that will leave you dissatisfied in the end. Don't buy the love that the world is selling you. It seems valuable now, but I'm telling you, in two days, it's going to be 50% off at Rite Aid. And then like in a couple of weeks, it'll be like 90% off. What the world has seems so valuable, but it is cheap in the end, right? So don't buy into this empty hope, this false promise. Because in reality, in any relationship, any human relationship we have, if I think that's going to be the thing to define my life by, if I think that's going to be the thing that me, satisfies me, it will in the end disappoint. Because humans are imperfect. I don't know if you've realized this yet. Right? We might be able to impress someone for a little while, but humans are imperfect. That marriage is work. It requires repeated repentance and forgiveness. Right? It requires reconciliation, that, that even in all of your efforts to, to please your spouse, you're going to at times fail them and even hurt the ones you love the most because we're still wrestling with sin issues ourselves. Right, So we, we will be dissatisfied if we are expecting perfection from a spouse or from the person who declares their love for us, right? It's it's not going to be ultimately fulfilling, that that it's valuable, it's a good thing, but it won't last. That that these human relationships are gifts from God, but they are not the source of life. They're not the thing of which we should build our purpose on, right? They are gifts that he has given us. And and this is uh, interesting. It says, This in in proverbs 18 22. I might have this up there. I don't even know I just like those those guys just do it. Bam. There we go It says this the man who finds a wife finds a treasure other translations say find a good thing and receives favor from the lord Marriage the whole idea of marriage is it's a gift. It's a good thing that god invented, right? It was his idea Right? He's the one that after making all of the world and all the animals and man, that he's, he looked down and saw Adam and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. He, he made this idea of marriage. Marriage is a gift. I think people would probably agree with that. But I also want to point out that the Bible says that singleness is a gift. And I understand it doesn't always feel like that when we're in those seasons or when it seems like maybe that's going to be the enduring Life that we've been sentenced to but it says this in first corinthians 7 paul writing Who at this time was single he says but I wish Everyone were single just as I am right. That's kind of a weird wish You read that chapter you'll figure out some of his motivations for saying that he says yet each person has a special gift from god Of one kind or another Paul describes singleness not as a burden But as a gift That your single years or if you are if god intends on you being single for the rest of your life That that is a gift. It's not a burden All right, that 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 is a gift. So marriage is a gift Singleness is a gift But I want to point out that a gift out of right priority will no longer be a blessing to us That if we epitomize either of those things Out of right order They will no longer be good the way that the giver intended them to be. So this is what, I'd, what I would suggest, is that we are cautious that we do not make an idol out of love, right? Like I said, the Bible says that God is love, but be careful that we do not somehow make love our God, right? Because God, although he is love, he is not the God of sex, right? He's not the God of fertility or beauty, or any of those other things, that we should not somehow epitomize or assume we understand what he means by love, and then make love our God, right? That I now have to yield to whatever my emotions may say, right? That that love is this uncontrollable force that I cannot, right, get, get control of, that I cannot do anything but yield to, right? Because people throughout time, they've done all sorts of things in the name of love, right? There are those who will do all sorts of immorality and adultery and just say, hey, like, I had these feelings, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I know it's, I shouldn't leave my husband and my kids, but I love them, right? Like, I love this other person, right? That people would justify all sorts of things because they seem to believe that love is something that is unstoppable, uncontrollable, and it would be wrong to ever resist or deny, right? That love somehow becomes our God and even, right, we obey it against all morality. And an interesting thing that Jesus pointed out about about love, because, right, I mean, Jesus was God in the flesh, God on the earth, love made manifest as a human being showing us what love really is, But he he made the point saying that these human relationships that we have, that those are not the thing that we should build our lives off of. He he actually is bold enough to say some pretty crazy things. I'm going to show you some verses that you're going to probably feel uncomfortable with, and that's okay. But this is is the right order. This is the right place. This is what Jesus says, Matthew 10, 37. Remember, this is the God of love. This is the guy that said, love your neighbors, love your enemies, all that. He says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Right? Jesus is claiming, right, that our love of him, our love of God, should take precedence over any other relationship, right? And you might be like, whoa, whoa Jesus, like, that's asking a little bit much. Like, I, I don't, like, I'm fine giving you, like, a Sunday morning once in a while, but I don't know if I can do that. Like, that's, that's asking a little too much of me. But I, but I think that's because we don't necessarily understand the relationship between us and, and what it means to have God involved in our lives, Right, right. Let, let me put it this way. Imagine a, a spouse. If, if your wife came to you and said, I think you love your mom more than you love me. I think you, you care about her opinions more than you do mine. Right, that when your mom just says last minute, let's change the, the plan. And even though we had plans, you will do anything. You will cancel everything for the family to deal right with your mom, to honor your mom right, that there would be like an out-of-order priority in that relationship. There, there might be some marriage counseling that needs to take place, that there would be an issue, right? The Bible says that, right, a man should leave his father and mother and, and cleave unto his wife, right? There's, there's this separation, there's this rearranging of priority when that happens. And so if you have a spouse that thinks you, right, love your mom or love your job or love your friends more than you do them, there's an out-of-order priority, right? That's not right. That's, that's not what marriage is about. And Jesus is saying something similar in regards to our relationship between us and God. Jesus is saying that loving him takes priority, that, that it trumps all, that that's the thing to which we should base our lives on. And I know we don't feel comfortable with that because I don't think we often live with God in that place in our lives, that he is not the center of our lives right? There's probably a lot of us that aren't even convinced that he deserves to be the center of our lives yet. There are some of us that don't even know if he exists yet, right? But I want to point out that regardless of where he is in our list of priorities, regardless of whether or not we believe he exists, he is worthy of our love. He is worthy of our affections. He is worthy of being the number one priority in our lives, And Jesus gets even bolder. He uses uses even stronger language, right? In in another account, another eyewitness account of Jesus' life of a similar passage in Luke 14. Get ready for this. This is going to be even, even crazier. And actually, the New Living Translation is like the lightweight version of this. The other ones are way harder to hear. But here we go. Luke 14, 25. A large crowd was following Jesus. By the way, people liked Jesus. Right. They thought they thought he was pretty cool. He could do miracles. He did all these things People like jesus and jesus turned around and said to them Now think of the things that maybe you you've heard people say jesus said this jesus said that right? Love your neighbor love your enemy and all that check out what jesus says here He says if you want to be my disciple If you want to follow me, I know you're physically walking behind me right now But if you want to be a follower of jesus, this is what he says If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Wow. Like the God of love. (laughs) Jesus just said that. Uh, You must hate everyone else by comparison. He says, and, and just in case we don't know who everyone else is, he gives us a list. He says, your father and mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters and just because we kind of all know who's really, you know, number one in our lives, he says, yes, even your own life, even yourself, by comparison, cannot take precedence over our allegiance, over our obedience to Jesus, over our love for him. He says, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. Right? That's hard. That's hard, right? Like, uh, by the way, the other translations just say... Uh, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate your mother and father, wife and children. It doesn't say by comparison, but that is the implication there. Because like I said, Jesus also says elsewhere to love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? To love your enemies. So, so obviously he's not telling us to hate. He's just saying like that the distance between the, the first and greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment, right? To love God and to love others, that the distance between those is a lot is kind of what he's saying. All right. It's not like they're like, oh, neck and neck. Here they go. Like, no, 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 no. Like loving Jesus, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength takes precedence over all other relationships. That's what Jesus says. And I think it's interesting that uh, right. Jesus is just walking along and he like turns around and sees like this crowd behind him that Jesus was not interested in building crowds, Jesus was willing to say offensive things because he wasn't interested in in having popularity or having crowds. Jesus was interested in having disciples, having people who are actually going to make a difference in the world, right? Having people that will actually, right, display God's love to all the world, that can proclaim the good news to all the world. That's what Jesus was interested in. I mean, like, you tell people what they want to hear, you can build a crowd. But Jesus was willing to say something offensive. In fact, he was like, almost like, there's too many people following me right now. Like, do they know what I'm about? Like, I I think there's a misunderstanding. Guys, time out. Before you walk any further, before we're farther from home for you, I just want to let you know, if you want to be my disciple, this is what it looks like. Right? That you must be willing to take up your cross and follow me. Right? That you must be willing to die to self to follow me that Jesus says that. And so what he's claiming is that following him requires putting him first. Right? And I know, like I said, we hear that, we read that, and we're like, I don't think I'm ready for that. (laughs) Right? Like, I need some more convincing. But the good news is that God wants to persuade you. That as we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. That as we pursue him, he will reveal himself to us. As we fall in love with him, we will discover more and more about who he is, right? And he, I mean, he went all out to show his love for us by dying on a cross, right? He's like, listen, I, like I love you, by the way. I'm willing to do this even though you're the one doing this to me, right? That Jesus showed his love for us, And what's interesting is is these relationships that God has given us on this earth, right? Whether husbands, wives, right? Parenting with children. These relationships are not just for us. These relationships are not just for your spouse or just for your kids. These relationships are meant to display who God is to give us a picture of what he's like. That marriage isn't just about me. That marriage is about God and about how he loves us. It says this in Ephesians 5 about marriage. It says, as the scriptures say, so it's a Bible verse quoting another Bible verse, just inception there, just roll with it. It says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Verse 32, this is a great mystery But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Marriage is supposed to display how much God loves his people and all the world. And even parenting, right, I won't take the time to hit those verses, but even parenting